everyone. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Stephen Sargent, and this is the Church Stories Podcast, where we explore and share stories from different ministries and churches all over New England. For this episode, we are hopping up to New Hampshire and having a conversation with Scott Kearney, a church planter and lead pastor of the Well Church in Nashua, New Hampshire. This conversation was recorded during the quarantine season, so if for whatever reason you're listening later on after some of the bans have been lifted, that would explain why we're having uh, the conversation. I'm asking the questions that we are. Uh, And here's what I'm really interested to chat with Scott about. What are some of the practices he's started doing in this season to adjust to not being able to meet in person? And which of these are going to stay around and become permanent parts of his ministry because he's seen them to be even more effective? So even after the bands lift, what are some of the things he's started doing um, just in the last few months that he's saying, I'm going to keep doing um, even when we're able to meet again in person? So uh, let's get him on the, on the line here and we'll just get right into it. All right, I'm calling Scott now. Um, I think he's on the line. Scott, are you there? Yes. Hey, Stephen. Hey, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Man, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this will be awesome. Scott is church planting in New Hampshire. I'm going to let him share a little bit about that in just a moment. It's the Well Church. He's married to Charity and has four kids under the age, like seven and under, which is nuts, man. I can't imagine how you're holding up right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's chaos in my home, but it's a good chaos most of the time. That's awesome, man. I have two, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, so, uh, and I feel like I'm stretched to the limit, so to add two more <laughs> to that, I can't even imagine. Um, well, <laughs> twice take, the trouble, twice the fun. It's great. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, tell you what, can you just take us, you know, most people listening don't know you personally, so can you just take a minute or two and tell us about your church, where it's located, just what what is the community and the culture like where you live? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, I was raised in New Hampshire, have a just a deep heart for the state of New Hampshire here in, in New England. But um, we, we decided to plant a church right here in Nashville, New Hampshire, on the border of New Hampshire and, and Mass, because we saw this area between Manchester and Boston as we as we kind of examined all of that. We, we discovered that that was the second least religious area of the country. So we loved that location because it had access to Boston, but still with this dream of like, what could we do to, to reset the spiritual landscape in New Hampshire by starting a church that would eventually multiply churches. And uh, mm-hmm. man, it's been a blast. It's, I, I'd say it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and the most rewarding at the same time. Uh, we started three and a half years ago and uh, really our whole goal was how do we help our neighbors and friends know and follow Jesus. And um, so, you know, we, we, we dove into the local community by partnering with local organizations like the Parks and Rec and uh, the local school system, just finding out, you know, what can we do to serve? And out of that formed a core group of about 25 people and wow. um, launched in uh, September 2016. So uh, Nashua is uh, the second largest city in New Hampshire. It's got about 90,000 people. Uh, really kind of eclectic group, um, all with the common denominator of, hey, we moved here. Uh, so that we could be left alone. <laughs> They're kind people <laughs> once you get to know them, but it's like, hey, we're in New Hampshire. Uh, stay on your side of the uh, of the fence, um, and you know, as long as we can work together, you know, stay stay off my yard. We're gonna be good. So. Yeah. So I'm sure that's presented its own unique obstacles in church planting. 
It has, yeah. it has. Yeah. You know, we, a lot of the, the things we did early on was trying to meet people on um, neutral grounds. So when we partnered with the Parks and Rec, we did a lot of events with them uh, and then did our own outdoor movie nights, egg hunts, and we'd have hundreds of people, uh, even over a thousand at our egg hunts uh, every year, uh, meeting people on their, like on neutral ground like that. We, we seem to have a, a great connection and yet um, getting more intimate than that has really been a barrier. I mean, there's a deep skepticism towards organized religion. So even with all the invites and loving people, our generosity, very few in, in that percentage would actually come to our Sunday morning, even just to check it out. Um, yeah. So there's, uh, you know, between that independence, hey, stay on your side of the fence, and yeah. uh, the, the deep skepticism towards organized religion, there's certainly a lot of barriers to reaching people. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine, um, I imagine with your story being as it is, as somebody who actually did grow up in New Hampshire, um, even though it wasn't in the exact area that you're planting, there was, there was some familiar ground going into it, as opposed to a lot of our friends, you know, like myself, parachuted from the South, and you're learning the culture as you go. So that may have been an advantage for you. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, your, your childhood, teenage years? Did you, you grew up near there, um, and, and I'm just curious, tell us a little bit about that, and what compelled you ultimately to want to turn around and plant a church in your home state? Yeah, great question. So uh, my parents actually moved from New Jersey to New Hampshire, uh, really to escape the big city. You know, they, they laughed like the, the state tree in their mind was the traffic cone. So they just wanted <laughs> to get out uh, to a place where they could breathe and, and raise their kids. So I, I actually grew up from age two on in New Hampshire. And then, uh, so I, I kind of a unique thing about my story. Uh, I'm a triplet. Uh, and oh, wow. I have two other siblings after that. And so my parents had five kids. The, the, the interesting part was they were not people of faith. They weren't looking for God. They weren't interested. Uh, all that they wanted after they had five kids was help <laughs> raising the kids. Like they were out of their league. Uh, and all of a sudden we're like, okay, we need some help. So they decided, well, what the heck? Let's let's give church a try. Hmm. Um, wow. So um, in that process, God did a transformative work in their hearts, uh, especially in my dad. Um, we, we started going to a church and within weeks, they heard the gospel message loud and clear in a church uh, that's now called Center Point. It was First Baptist in Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, and it just flipped my dad's life upside down. You know, I was an eight-year-old kid at the time and uh, I didn't know exactly what was happening, but I knew my dad was different. Um, and a uh, long story short, man, when God transformed his life, it was a domino effect. You know, I, I started paying attention. I gave my life to Christ um, not long after that when I finally understood the gospel message. And a couple months later, my dad and I were baptized together. And wow. uh, that kind of reset the trajectory in my family. And I think that was the beginning of a seed that God planted in my heart for this greater region. Because if that's where my family was, we were lost. We had no hope outside of Jesus meeting us where we were. Like we, we really weren't even looking for him. He met us. If that's where we were, how many more families in this region are like that? Mm. Uh, and I, but I didn't see really the power of God on display at a, at a larger level until I got to college. And uh, it was a college that, long story, God kind of blew up a men's ministry with a couple guys that had a radical faith to believe that the, 
you know, this promise in Luke 10 too, that the harvest is plentiful. It's just the workers that are few. They, mm. they believe that that was true. And so mm. it was just a handful of us that started praying for the condition of men on campus. And um, it was, gosh, you know, over the next two years, over 120 guys that got involved in a men's ministry. And we saw radical conversion, guys getting out of all sorts of addictions. And I think between growing up with my family, where we were, and what happened in men's ministry uh, on campus, God just started planting a seed in my mind. If this is what's needed in families and in young generations like this that have no idea who Jesus is, what does the rest of New England look like? And what would it take to start a movement to see more people know and follow Jesus? And that's awesome. It, it's so cool just to hear that it's the seeds along the way. And I think there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that I think are, are maybe earlier on in your story somewhere. And sometimes we wait for like that Damascus moment. And, and we're like, is God calling me to this? And we're waiting for something to cling to. That's this physical like manifestation from God. And I mean, it's, it's, it's almost never that, right? It's, it's mm. just looking at the different ways God's worked. It began as a kid a little bit in your teenage years, a ton in your college years, and God just connecting the dots of your life. I love hearing that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And so for you, obviously, this is a unique season. So I wanted to transition a little bit to that and hear a little bit about what The Well is doing uh, in this season. What are some new things that have come up? And then I, I always like to, in this time, ask other pastors, like, what are some things you're seeing that you're like, we should have been doing this before. And even when things get lifted and, and we're back to normal, like we're going to keep doing this. So let's start with what is a new ministry opportunity that has surfaced for the well since all the shutdowns went into place last month? Yeah, great question. I mean, things are certainly different, right? We're, we're yeah. not able to meet on Sundays like we normally would, and we're forced to do everything online. And uh, in the church world, it's all about relationships, right? So yeah. that presents some some real challenges. But man, we're finding some really cool opportunities in this. Um, it's funny, at the very beginning of March, I went down to Exponential uh, Conference, and I had a mentor of mine with me. And I asked him at that point, I God had kind of been stirring in my heart a little bit about developing a culture of prayer in our church. And I asked him, man, what did it look like for you when you were pastoring um, to develop that prayer culture? Um, <laughs> we talked about a number of things, but global pandemic was not one of the things we talked about. Uh, but, but man, we're seeing God really do some unique things uh, globally with prayer, um, even within our networks across denominations, churches connecting with prayer, but he's doing something really unique in our church in that too. We started the Tuesday and Thursday morning prayer time. Uh, and that's been one of the more special, sacred, even bonding moments for our church as so many people have joined in and um, and I think God is reawakening faith in some people through that. He's opening up some doors um, with reaching lost neighbors that we hadn't seen open before. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some people, um, I think, who were connected to our church before all of this, but hadn't really taken that next step to get uh, at family status, really developing relationships together and through prayer, moving all of our groups to online Zoom meetings, to you know, the, the phone trees that we've developed to call people, we've seen a level of intentionality with people connecting with each other. Now, I think because they're desperate, given the social distancing conditions uh, that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. So there have been plenty of people who've said, I feel more connected to God. I feel more connected with our church family and even with the mission than I ever have. That's and a, praise God for that. It is, man. It, it's funny how uh, 
it almost feels silly sometimes when we we look back at the things we're like why weren't we doing this before and yeah if this is just one way i think that god's trying to get our attention on things that he's trying to divert our attention towards more important things and yeah. uh he's also there's a little bit of the pruning that's taking place too right there's some things that we were doing and investing a lot of time into that we're saying um maybe those th those things weren't as essential as we initially thought because here there's certain things that I was doing weekly that I haven't done in the past month and everyone's still okay. You know, so yeah. um, let me ask, let's go dive a little deeper. Uh, is there anything new? You've already uh, talked about the prayer. Is there anything new that you are doing because of the shutdowns that you've already said, man, even, even when things go back to what they were more like when we were meeting in person and we know it won't fully go back to what it was like ever again, like there are shifts, but um, what are some permanent changes you're going to make as a result of the temporary changes you thought you were making in the past few weeks? Yeah, great question. I mean, prayer is certainly one of them. Yeah. Um, we would love to continue that because, uh, you know, we just, we believe in the power of prayer. We just hadn't been practicing it corporately. Um, and, uh, you know, I think maybe prior to this, people wouldn't have been necessarily as inclined to join prayer on Zoom. But now that we've developed that, that habit, you know, it's like people kind of anticipate it. They look forward to it. And I, just, I, I anticipate that that's going to grow. Um, but here's another cool opportunity. Like as we move groups to these zoom online groups, we've actually been able to include some people that really struggled with some of the timeframes of our groups, or maybe came from a little bit farther distance away. Um, they're, they're now actually able to have connectivity and conversation and prayer with each other um encouragement in god's word that they weren't getting before and so that's opened up more doors for groups to even connect and so i think we we'd like to incorporate an element of online option for groups to meet um you know even if it's a combination between some people meeting in person and others joining in online yeah. um but uh you know i think another one for us is is just continuing this this online platform um you know we uh it was, it was a real gift from God, but a year ago we started experimenting with live streaming through Facebook and YouTube really because, you know, we noticed that there was a massive gap between the people we were meeting in the community and, uh, and those who were willing to join us on Sunday mornings. Again, that, that skepticism yeah. was just so high that yeah. we said, man, how, how can we remove that barrier? You know, I think a lot of people, they just assume church is a unapproachable place. I can't yeah. tell you how many people we heard say, man, if I walk through the doors of that building, it'll probably burn down before I get through them. Um, and we said, man, that, that's not the case. But we said, okay, how can we give people a window behind the curtain when they're still in their comfort zone? Yeah. And so that's, that's why we started live stream, but we're realizing now how critical that is for, for more people to engage. And so, you know, we, we want to, we want to continue our live stream and, um, you know, even when we meet in person again, we'd love to cater an online experience for those who are watching, who are skeptical, but, but interested. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we see that as a great opportunity. Um, yeah. And it, something that we've started doing with our live streams that's different from, you know, prior times is, you know, we, we'd have this hour and 15 minute experience for people to be a part of. Um, but it, it was about 35 minutes of me preaching and some music that was a bit disconnected. And we started just doing a lot, a lot of things differently. And, you yeah. know, attention spans are shorter, um, when, when they're watching online. And so we said, we've got to diversify the content. 
Um, so uh, instead of me preaching 35 minutes straight, we actually are introducing testimonies of life change, you know, people that are, are experiencing God in some unique ways based on the, the topic that we're in. Um, we're introducing music even mid-message and varying that up, including more people getting our, our viewers to see the entire church body at work and not just one or two people. Mm. That's actually been a huge encouragement for those who are inside the church to see more of their church family, but even uh, almost unapologetic for those on the outside to say, hey, this is a pretty down-to-earth church. Like They're all in this together. Look at what God's doing to, tr to actually change lives. You know, I, I think I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So, um, cool. so we're dreaming a little bit of like, what would that live stream experience, uh, you know, what, what is our Sunday experience and live stream experience look like with incorporating more of the church family on a Sunday morning? That's so good, man. Cause that is, that's a missing element. When someone's in the room, there's something just contagious when you are able to step into a physical worship service that it does some of those elements don't translate to online. So what creativity do we need to add in to bake into the experience to make it more meaningful for the person at home? I love what you yeah. said about the uh, online experience and how you're realizing that there's, there's that population out there that is curious or interested, but has some questions and definitely to go from where they're at to, to actually stepping into your church, that's a big step. And one mm -hmm. of the philosophies that we say at Grace Church is, we want to help make the next step as small as possible for the person, not because yeah. it's not meaningful, but because if there's anything we can do to eliminate barriers and not make it a, a stride, but a step that gives them some momentum and helps them to move forward, we're going to do that. And that's what we realize the exact same thing is there's a ton of friends and neighbors that you and I have that they'll tune in and they'll watch our stuff, but they're not going to step into our church building until they know a little bit more about it. And yeah. that barrier of the front door is, that's a huge, huge barrier for people. And if we can knock that down by letting them peek in the windows of what's, what they're going to experience before, that's huge, isn't it? I mean, that's huge. Oh, I mean, this is what everybody does. Like before yeah. you go into a restaurant, what do you You're do? Totally right. You yeah. Google it. Like but before yes. you go to a, like a kid's play place, like you Google it. Like we're, we're looking at it all online first and, and that is the new front door. You know, Dude, a lot God, of, that is like so good, man. You're 10, right. 20 years ago, like a lot of churches would have said the front door is our Sunday morning experience. So let's make it as attractive as possible. Uh, and, and, you know, again, I, I don't want to take away from that. I think there, we should be attractive because the opposite of attraction is ugly. <laughs> Nobody wants to be ugly, but, but we've got to transition the front door to online. And I think that's what COVID-19 this one of the gifts that God's presenting us in this season is say, look, you know, if, if you're going to give people a first step, I, I, I love, I love what you said, make it easy, make it accessible, you know, yeah. remove as many barriers as possible. Man, you know, Scott, you saying that just, it reminds me, I can't remember the last time I went to a restaurant without like hopping on, you know, Google reviews or Yelp and looking at mm -hmm. pictures of the food of the indoor of seeing what, what is the decor like? And, and that's just in my pattern. I think you're totally right. What used to be the front door for churches 10 years ago, I think it was the website. I think we wanted to make sure our websites looked really good. And if they weren't up to date, it communicated that the church wasn't up to date. I think the new front door is the whole online experience. And, and that's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking is, is it's cool too, because you and I both have friends that are pastors that um, they weren't really doing much online before this. This has forced them to do online. And they're like, we're never going back. Because there's yep. a, just a population of people out there that are now hearing truth every single week 
that that they, that's the last thing they were thinking about on a Sunday morning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just hearing truth, but experiencing it. Yes. Uh, and I, I think yeah. that's one of the, the gifts because uh, you know, like when, when you look at a restaurant, you know, you don't want to just see uh, it written, you know, in, in a line, what they're serving, you want to see it. Like you're looking yeah. for those pictures. And if it's a grainy image that kind of looks a little nasty, you're like, all right, maybe, but, <laughs> Dude, but so like, cool, you know what I mean? Like, but if yes. you're looking at the, the image and it's a quality image and it's, you know, it's engaging, you know, even if you see a video like that even better. Um, yeah. So we thought, how can we give people stories before they even walk in? Uh, you know, so in our countdown timer on Sunday, uh, is probably the first thing that people see. And so we have almost B-roll footage of who our church family is, yeah, what we great. do during the week, like how we serve the community. And we, again, we just want to give people a taste. Like we're not a cult. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're not a bunch of stuck up religious people. We say right. it's okay to not be okay. Like yeah. no perfect people allowed. Let's, let's have them experience that. Man, that's um, so good. Because we live in a Netflix culture and yeah. we... I can't remember the last show that I watched that I just hopped right into it. Like you go in and you want to see a trailer or a clip. You want to get a, a you want to get a picture of the vibe before you commit to it. That's mm-hmm. I've never made that comparison with people thinking that way towards a worship experience, but that's the value we're seeing now is just giving people that preview, that sample. And like you said, it's not just a sample. They're getting the whole thing. They're getting, mm-hmm. they're getting something they can sink their teeth into and interact with. Um, Dude, it's powerful, man. It's so exciting to think what might be on the other end of this. And yeah. you and I both agree, like our online experiences aren't going away. And this, mm-hmm. this is just going to help beef them up even, you know, it's, it's yeah. not longer just a supplement. It's a whole new crowd of people that we're able to connect with. Right. I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. I think the, the biggest challenge for us is how do we help people go from window shopping, you know, and, and Googling our, our menu, if you will to actually taking a next step and that's where the the mm-hmm. online experiences have to be unbelievably intentional about inviting people to that's take a so next step good, you know and and just just invite 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 so you know we we we, we created a digital connection card early on in this yeah. uh covid19 season but we realized we're using youtube and, and facebook uh we haven't we haven't tapped into church online yet because we just we wanted to be where the people are um and uh that's you know that's that's where they're at YouTube and Facebook Um, but um, we found that people weren't clicking on the digital connection card link that we provided and so we said okay we got to make this way easier uh, like lower that bar Uh, and so we're we're transitioning to actually having people type keywords in the comment section like if you're new type new in the comment section or we'll post something like hey if you're new you know just like this and have people click like and we'll follow up with them, you know, just kind of track them down. So it's really all about getting down to the lowest barrier, um, you know, removing that and then making it as easy as possible. And then from there, where the church just ought to thrive more than any other organization is building that relationship, starting that conversation, helping people know they're cared for and take a next step with Jesus. That's so good. And I, I hope everybody listening just got that, that we our job as the local church and as Christ followers is to help make the gospel and the next step for someone as accessible as possible. Um, Mm. Just like Jesus didn't wait for the woman at the well to come to him. Mm. Um, Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we're like, Oh, well, if they don't want it, that's on them. You know, there's only so much I can do, but 
Jesus intentionally showed us how he'd knock down the barriers and he brought it yeah. right in front of them. So if there's any, if you guys are seeing in your own services, Scott, this isn't to you, this is for the listeners. If you're seeing some of these, some of these same trip wires that we're seeing, we're like, man, they're not engaging. We're not getting to know them. You know, go back with your team and creatively think, what can we do to make this a little bit easier? Because I mean, if I'm honest, if I'm tuning into a service and I don't know any of the the people there, I'm going to want to watch it a few times before Mm -hmm. I let them know that I'm there. It's the same thing we do whenever we, you know, we're non-committal people and we like to be a little bit anonymous when we're visiting, especially in an unfamiliar place. So I think we have to keep that in mind. That is so, so good, man. You're good. Dude, this is, this is gold, man. This could be like three or four podcasts right here. Um, <laughs> let me ask one more question. What's one, yeah. this is as general as you want it to be. So I'm just, I'm tossing you a softball. You can, you can do whatever you want with it. What's one piece of advice you would give to other Christ followers in New England right now as we're walking through this? Yeah, great question. I, I, here's, here's I, I think, just where we need to be. Um, God knows the beginning. He knows the end. He's ordained our times, seasons, and places, as, as Acts 17 says, so that men and women would know and follow God. Like, they would turn to him. And it says, you know, though he's not far from any one of us. And I think, you know, what we've got to embrace in this season really is this is our time. Hmm. God foreknew in, in, in eternity past that COVID-19 would happen the way that it is right now. And, you know, as, as you look throughout history, when were the best times of revival? It always happened on the other side of a crisis. And, you know, God knew for everyone listening right now, he knew when you would be alive and he foreordained, like he, he, he foreknew and preordained that you would be alive in this moment to participate in his rescue mission. Like, and and the time is fertile right now for people to, to turn to God. They're asking the questions, you know, their, their lives are being flipped upside down. You know, there, a lot of people are getting furloughed. They're losing their jobs. They're not sure about what the economy is going to look like moving forward. Their health is at risk. They're afraid of that, or if not for themselves, for someone they know and love, there's so many different fears and, and, things happening right now and and what a perfect time for us to give the good news like our our world needs good news right now and i think it's kind of that esther moment when uh you know her cousin looked at him and um looked at her and and said look how do you know but for such a time as this you were made queen and i think we've all got to embrace this mentality this is our time this is our time like god has raised us up he's raised up the church in this moment to respond in only a way that the church can with this good news embodying it so it's not a time for us to sit on the sidelines uh, and and kind of protect ourselves. We've got to leverage everything that we have right now to reach those in need because they're listening. They're yeah. leaning in maybe now more than ever. Yeah, that's, dude, that's right, man. I, I think we need to be reminded of that every single day, that if the sacrifices we need to make in our own lives and some of the convenience and the comforts and the things that we've had to give up over this past month, if that's allowing um, God to connect with a ton of people that weren't giving their attention to him before that's worth it. And that's the heart of, of servanthood right there. So yeah, dude, yeah. I love it, man. Hey, what's, I want to close by just praying for you and inviting anybody listening. We're going to pray for, uh, your church in, in Southern New Hampshire. Um, what, what can we do to be praying for you and charity and your family right now? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I think my prayer for myself and my family and for, those in our church family um, would, would be that we 
we come out on the other side of this emotionally, spiritually, mentally stronger. Um, and that's, that's going to require some intentionality. I, I, I'm sure if there are other pastors listening to this, you understand your workload didn't go down when COVID-19 yeah. arrived. It, it increased. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, God's had me, uh, there was a week or two where I was just, I was spinning my wheels. I was burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, I felt like God was saying, hey, remember, remember, you don't have any power unless you're remaining in me and you're slowing down and spending that's time with me and really yeah. developing your family. So, you know, I think my if I was going to ask for prayer, I'd say, man, pray that our connection with God in this season um, would grow, that we'd get stronger in our faith in him and, and what he's inviting us to do. Um, so, you know, that we, we'd be stronger on the other side of this. Okay. Well, great. Well, let's do just that, man. Um, dear Lord, we thank you for what you're doing um, all over New England, God. And as we, we listen in on this conversation from different zip codes, um, I just want to pause and direct our prayers towards uh, Southern New Hampshire, towards Concord, towards the Well Church, and all the other churches um, that we may or may not know that are um, Bible-centered churches preaching your name, God. I pray that just as Scott said earlier, that uh, they rise to the occasion. God, this is a time for you and for your people um, to, uh, to be on the front lines, God. So give us boldness encourage. Um, God, help us to see where you're at work. God, I pray for Scott and Charity. I pray that you keep their marriage close, that you keep their family close, that you um, give them strengthened faith where they need it. Um, and just as, um, just as he shared just a moment ago, that on the other side of this, they'll feel even closer to you and closer to each other, God. Um, I pray just the James 1 prayer over him, God, that we can learn to find joy in the midst of, of persecution, of trial, of pain. Um, because we know that you're developing that perseverance, that you're maturing us through it, God. Thank you for what you are doing through uh, the Well Church and through all the different churches that are represented through our network, God. We're just excited to be a part of it. So we just thank you and ask that you continue to work. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks Amen. so much. Thank you. God. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Stephen. Wow, awesome conversation with Scott here. So many things he said. What just the the moment he mentioned the online preview and how there's nothing that we go to before looking at it online, that just resonated with me because it's so true. We don't watch a movie until we've seen uh, the trailer for it. We don't watch a show unless we've seen a clip from it. Most of us, maybe you're different, but I won't go to a restaurant unless I know what the menu looks like, maybe even what some of the pictures on the inside looks like. Um, I'm definitely not going to a hotel unless I see the pictures of the room and the outside and see the reviews. So in the same way, we have to assume that our friends, um, that our neighbors that aren't coming to our church before they ever will, they're going to see what we're like. They're going to get a sneak peek of it. And our online presence is a huge way um, that we can show them a really good preview um, of what it would be like for them to come in person. So um, really glad that Scott gave us the time. It's always cool to hear what God's doing in New Hampshire and other parts of New England. And thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, it really, it means so much that you guys listen to these podcasts. And if, if you have any friends that live in that area or you have any friends that you think might be interested in hearing what God is doing in Concord, New Hampshire, share it along. Um, as always, we, we do appreciate you being a part of this with us and joining us. And we will catch you next time.